Welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in to another segment of Changing Times from the Healthy Mind, Healthy Life series, Managing Your Thoughts from a Biblical Perspective. Today's topic, The Wound of Betrayal, with your host, Ms. J, and co-host, Ms. Shay. Yes, ma'am. So glad to see you today, and so glad that you all are tuning in. You know, betrayal is one of those subjects that we rarely care to think about let alone talk about, especially having experienced it firsthand. Just the thought of it causes one to scale back or become suspicious of bonding with people they would like to connect with for the first time. No matter what side of the fence you're on, whether you are the victim or the offender, it is painful to talk about the devastating effect betrayal can have on the human soul. One of the things that strikes both me and Ms. Che about this topic is that it happens to everyone at some point in their lives, not to mention that Jesus experienced it too. I often wonder what it was like to know beforehand that two of his disciples whom he recruited, trusted, taught, and loved would one day betray him. It is mind boggling how Jesus managed to endure the emotional trauma associated with the betrayal of men he was called to serve. But most importantly, as the scriptures point out, Jesus referred to Judas Iscariot as in quote, the one who dipped his hand into the bowl with me would betray me, along with Peter who would deny him, would at that moment become his greatest enemy and it does not seem plausible to assume that person will later turn on you. We're still grappling with the idea that not everyone walks around expecting and anticipating down the road that the people you become friends with will one day betray you. If you are expecting something like that to occur, it may not be worth your while to pursue the relationship to begin with. If you avoid bonding with people when you are suspicious of them, questioning their motives, it makes you a skeptic. A person who is a skeptic has a negative trait of distrust, teetering between the truth and lie. So anytime you have a mindset based on falsehoods without any proof to justify your suspicion, it's best to, to pause, take a break from your relationship and pray until you get clarity from the Lord to reconnect with that individual. Now, Ms. Che, thinking along these lines, don't you think it is a waste of time and energy to have a negative mindset that is opposed to your Christian values when judging others, when the Bible is clear that we are to love people unconditionally, despite our concerns about their motives? I think it is. It's very hard to know what somebody's motives is. Even if we come to the assumption that it's a negative motive, we need to figure out a way to love them without expectations. Because the Bible says we've all fallen short. People are going to let you down. They're going to betray you. That's just a matter of fact. You know, and that's the, the irony of life. And it's so true. But, you know, we need to keep in mind that for every experience we have in life, there is something to gain from it. And in other words, there is a purpose attached to everything that we go through, good or bad. Isaiah 53 and 5, for example, proves this to be true when you consider that being betrayed is common to humanity. There is a point in everyone's life when someone you love and entrusted with intimate details of your life may hurt and disappoint you. Be that the case, this may be the time to pull up your bootstraps and decide how long you are going to allow the deception to affect you mentally and emotionally. Ask yourself, will this experience hinder me from moving forward in my life? 
You've heard it said, it's not what happens to you, but how you respond to what life throws at you. Everyone has different emotional responses to pain. Uh, some people, for example, can overcome their atrocities quicker than others, while others allow their pain to simmer in their souls until they do something drastic. Hopefully that's none of you. However, this does not apply to everyone. You can decide to either let it go or meditate on the offense until it makes you physically ill. Or do you think it is possible to endure the pain for a time when you're hurting? Or see betrayal, perhaps, as a possibility towards something greater in your life or in your future with the idea that everything that happened to Jesus was purposeful. So sometimes you, we need to stop and think for a moment about what this means. This is not the end of the world. There are still more rivers across. There are still more people to meet. There are still more people to love. But if you are willing to be in it for the long haul, it's going to determine now your decisions to either stay or go. And without comparing yourself to Jesus, nothing that happens in your life is by mere coincidence. Take Jesus, for example. Jesus was empowered by his father to walk through not just being betrayed by those he loved, but also by the enemies of darkness. However, his footsteps were ordered by the Lord and it was by divine intervention orchestrated by the father that these things would only last for a reason and a season. Uh, this certainly gives you hope and makes betrayal easier to endure when you are aware there is a purpose behind it. What does it say in Isaiah 53 and 5 in the CEB, Miss Che? Let me go ahead and read that. It says, he was pierced because of our rebellion and crushed because of our crimes. Mm. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we are healed. So here is your answer. Summed up in one scripture, it was because of his wounds, what he suffered and how he suffered, that we would be made whole, spirit, soul, body, and mind. Somebody had to pay the price on our behalf. And Jesus was the one who was called to do it. There is no question there was an underlying benefit, benefit to Christ's suffering when at the end of the day, the people who rejected him propelled Jesus to do greater things in the kingdom and for the kingdom. We don't have the luxury of saying the same for ourselves. Our first response to being wounded by others would be to retaliate against them by making them pay for what they did to us. The difference is Jesus never responded to his accusers the way we do. So we need to think in terms of the what would Jesus do phenomenon that disappeared with the times. We should go back and revisit that saying and adopt the purposeful words behind it. What would Jesus do? In the Old Testament in Exodus 21, as in the code of Hammerubah B, very difficult to pronounce, I'll pronounce it again, as in the code of Hammerubabi, the concept of reciprocal justice seemingly applies to social equals. The statement of reciprocal justice, life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe under the old covenant or the old testament was replaced with what Jesus said in the new covenant. For example, in the Gospel of Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses number 38 through 39 in the CEB, 
Here in the New Testament, Jesus flips the script and says, in quote, an alternative for an eye for an eye is given by Jesus. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on the right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. That doesn't seem fair. Does that seem fair to you, sis? It does not seem fair at all. I mean, to the average person with a carnal nature that is driven by human and fleshly instincts, this is hard to do. To practice being disciplined by looking the other way, you must first be focused on the one who gave you the instructions. Don't turn around and backhand the person who hurt you, but instead turn them over to the Lord and move on. You see, obedience is better than a slap on the face. You need to consider the one who strikes you. Someone who reacts in this manner needs deliverance of some kind. Would you rather follow the instructions of Jesus by choosing to overlook your enemy's stupidity instead of retaliating with a punch to the face or a curse word? There comes a time when you need to retreat rather than advance toward the people who hurt you by being the bigger person. Knowing God's advice to us, I mean, God is his, his advice, right? that allows us to know that he's the one that will avenge our enemies. Is that not true? That's true? In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 17 through 19 in the message Bible, it says, don't hit back, discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you along with everybody, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging says God, I'll take care of it. Here's the, here's the deal. First of all, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But here's the problem. We don't want to wait on God. We want to settle the matter now without his input. And then we make a bigger mess out of something that could have been easily rectified by the Holy Spirit. This is the perfect time to stop and pause by showing God you are better than your enemies. By simply waiting on him and allowing him to work things out on your behalf. How about redirecting your anger away from the problem onto the problem solver? Isn't God worth it? Of course he's worth it, but he needs you to partner with him to address the pain you are carrying in your spirit. How about reflecting on his goodness for the amazing things he has already done in your life? Don't you think it's time that you understand that God is aware, he's fully aware of the body's fleshly appetites that lead to destruction? He also understands that we don't always see things from the perspective of the Holy Spirit. It is our flesh that leads us in the wrong direction when making decisions that later come back to haunt us. The lesson here is when you take your eyes off Jesus, you will still be confronted with the same problem. It takes a willingness to be obedient to God by letting things go. It takes a willingness to walk away from others who cause you so much pain without realizing that God is your safeguard against the works of the enemy. Moreover, he has a greater plan for your life. That does not include the people who are against you. Um, if you stay in the place of your pain, you will never know it is to be bondage free. You know, that is a true statement. That's why I absolutely love what it says in Hebrew chapter 12, verse number two, and the GNT, the good news translation, it says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, 
because of the joy that was waiting for him. He thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And he is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. So what do we need to do first? Well, firstly, when Jesus went to the cross, he had you and me in mind. So he thought nothing of the cost of enduring the cross for yours and mine sins. So actually, we don't have to do anything. Oh, so it sounds like that Jesus was looking ahead. Mm -hmm. And as the scripture says, thought nothing about dying because he knew the long-term benefits despite the abuse he suffered at the hands of his accusers. Right. Why then would Hebrews remind us to fix or focus our eyes on Jesus? It's quite simple. The word fix comes from a Greek word that has the idea of consecrating. I'm sorry, that's correct. Concentrating, <laughs> that's the correct term, your gaze. It means to look away from other things so that you can focus all your attention on one object. Think about it for a moment. When your eyes are fixed on something, it has your full, undivided, uninterrupted attention. You can't take your eyes away from it. For example, it's like being engrossed with one of your favorite movies. You can't take your eyes off the screen. Your focus enables you to keep your eyes fixed on something of benefit to you. We're not suggesting that every movie is beneficial, but there is something on the screen, something in that scene that keeps your attention. You see, the Hebrew writer reminds us that the one on whom our faith depends is the reason we can bear up under anything that attacks us without fighting back. So when we keep our eyes on Jesus, he helps to navigate us away from what our fleshly instinct wants to do with the understanding that Jesus is opposed to retaliation in any form. His example of endurance is the reason he was able to advance his purpose, having suffered and died for the souls of humanity, while at the same time experiencing the joy of the fruit produced by his suffering. And that is the soul of humanity. So recalling the memories of his final words as he took his last breath on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Isn't this sufficient to inspire you? To develop a closer relationship with God so that when someone decides to betray you, it will have less of an impact like water rolling off a duck's back. The way Jesus dealt with people should empower you to do better in your relationship. Thus, our goal in this segment is to dig deeper into a subject we believe may be the root cause of number one, sleepless nights, emotional, mental, and physical trauma due in part to the breach of a friendship. Maybe your friendship was violated, a quarrel with a family member or a significant other. No matter the reasons behind the wound of betrayal, you need not suffer another precious moment by gloating over something you have no control over. Once you understand the dynamics of the wound, you can begin the process of healing on your way to recovery. You know, the wounds that we're talking about are not the same as physical wounds. So, so when you think about the word womb, you often associate it with injury to living tissue or inflicting an injury on somebody. But really, do we think of it as an emotional wound inflicted by others, which is what today's podcast is all about? Amen to that. And either way, a, a wound, be it physical or emotional, is still painful. Yes, it is. Regardless of the stigmatism attached to pain of any kind, the Bible always has an answer. You see, we get hope 
We're enlightened and inspired to move on when we allow the word to speak to our hearts and speak to the areas that we're struggling with. In Psalms 147 and 3 in the GNT Good News Translation, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wound. We can unpack so much in this passage of scripture that it may take days to extract the nuggets of truth that will that you will find there for. That's right. So in this verse, the original Greek of the original Hebrew for brokenhearted is Shabar, which means shattered or broken. It is like a cracked and splintered mirror, like broken pottery everywhere and no way to begin putting oneself back together. You see, when someone is grieving the loss of a loved one or is deeply wounded emotionally for another reason, the concept of moving past this painful experience can seem like a faraway dream. That's why, Ms. Shea, the hope and promise contained in this psalm is a healing bomb for so many. Why is this important to note? Because a healing bomb was used as a meta-signal solution in ancient times for physical ones. Forgive me if I messed that word up, but I mean, you, you get what I'm saying, right, Ms. Che? Yes. You see, the bomb of Gilead has a deeper symbolic purpose in scripture. God shows Israel that they turned to a temporary healing solution but they had far deeper spiritual cuts that needed ultimate healing. They needed a true physician. Who is that? The Lord, right? So until you turn your focus away from the problem unto Jesus, who's the center of your hope, you will never move beyond painful experiences because a broken heart in pieces Anything that's broken is like a broken piece of pottery that it is no use to yourself nor others. When your heart is scattered, God's word is all that matters. You may not have the wherewithal to put the pieces of your heart back together until you combine your heart with his. Then you can make it. So be mindful of who you share your heart with. Not everyone's intentions are good. I like the fact that you talked about the pieces putting back together. So when I think about being wounded and broken and Jesus is the only way to put us back together, the broken pieces allow the light to get in. Oh, wow. Jesus is the light. I, I, I love Jeremiah 9 and 4 in the LEB translation. It says, let everyone be on your guard against his neighbor. And you must not trust in any brother for everyone surely betrays and every neighbor goes about with slander. You know, that's not the greatest news, but it's certainly enlightening to be, I, I guess, to bring awareness, so to speak, yeah. to the people that we that comes into our nucleus. Uh, so, so along these lines, thinking about the story of Leah and Rachel, mm. uh, which, I mean, it's, it is a sad story. I mean, I mean, it is one of the pains of betrayal mixed with hope. There's always light at the end of the time, but we're going to give you a brief synopsis of the story for the sake of time, okay? Leah is the elder daughter of Laban, the first wife of Jacob, and the older sister of his second and favorite wife, Rachel. She is the mother of Jacob's first son, Reuben. She has three more sons, namely Simeon, Levi, and Judah, but does not bear another son until Rachel offers her a night with Jacob in exchange for some mandrake root. Unfortunately, Leah is unloved and rejected by Jacob after discovering that Leah has been substituted for the love of his life, Rachel. 
that is a hard pill to swallow. Laban later admittedly makes the message clear as he declares that the younger Rachel must not be married first after having worked seven years for what he thought was his wife. Now think about the story. Leah has been deceived, but so has Jacob, mm -hmm. right? Is that not true? Yes, that's true. You know why? Because Jacob arranges to receive Rachel at the end of the wedding week and therefore to work another seven years to pay off her bride price. Wow. So he was deceived as well. Leah was dealt a bad hand through the deception and lies. She took a back seat to Rachel. We're talking to somebody today with deception and betrayal, which is the meanest form of hypocrisy. However, in the end, God turned Leah's fate around from a broken heart to a heart of thanksgiving. Isaiah 61 and three is a beautiful depiction of how God turns the thorny errors in your life into a bedrock of beautiful blessings. I'm going to let Miss Che read the scripture in Isaiah 61 and three, because I'm telling you, if this doesn't speak to your heart, then nothing else in the scriptures is going to. Okay. Let me take my time here. Those in Zion whom mourns, I will take away the ashes on their head. I will give them a crown. I will take away their sadness and I will give them the oil of happiness. I will take away their sorrows and I will give them celebration clothes. He sent me to name them good trees and the Lord's wonderful plants. Wow. He's going to give you a close to celebrate it. I mean, mm -hmm. think about that. So weep and may endure for a night in thumbs, Psalms 30 and five, but joy comes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And Leah had her morning season, sister. You know, Jesus has made a way for you to escape through his plan of redemption, following repentance. Instead of standing there as though there is no hope, get up, move on, and move into the place where Jesus has provided a haven for you. This is your day. This is your time. Your experiences have no power over the goodness of Jesus to free you from the ruin of betrayal because your temporary setbacks are a setup in the making toward a bigger blessing and a bright future. Start praising God. Don't just sit, sit there and nurse your wounds. Mm -mm. Okay. Just because you think that God has abandoned you and he has not, the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. There is too much work to be done in the kingdom. And God has called you for such a time as this to participate in building the kingdom. And you have been called. You have, you're not a throwaway or a castaway. And just understand that God will use everything in his arsenal of blessings to empower you to do mighty works in the kingdom. Keep that in mind. The next time someone decides that you are no longer worth their time, keep joy in the forefront of your heart and start living again. Your future is much brighter than you think. What do you say about that, Ms. J? What do you say? What does one need to do to get that in their thick mind that, listen, there is light ahead? I like how it inflicts hope. You know, a lot of times we are so discouraged when somebody we care about and somebody we love hurt us so deeply because we have built trust. 
you know, and a connection. And, and you, you feel like that's the person that you can be transparent and vulnerable with. And then the betrayal comes, it's, it's like a death, you know, but God can renew all that. He can, he can take that pain and give you beauty for ashes. He can renew your spirit and let you open up your heart to trust again. And I love this episode because it talks about how, you know, sometimes we're so closed off because of a hurt that we've had, but God is always healing us. If you look back on all the times he's been faithful and renewed your spirit and brought you out of a dark place and brought you into the light, he shows his faithfulness time and time again. In Psalms 139, it says, God is everywhere. There's no place you can go that he's not there. And he's right there with you. Know, you know, that's beautifully said, because even in Psalms 91, it says, I will look to the hills for once come at my help. Yeah. No, it comes from the Lord. But I think a lot of times when we're suffering, we don't always believe the word. Mm. In fact, sometimes that's the last place we go when we're in distress. We'll call everybody up else on the phone mm. <laughs> and tell them and just vent and pour out our hearts. But you know what? What I found when you pour your heart out to Jesus, yeah. You know, when he talks back to you, it's not going to correct to be to correct you. It's going to be to encourage you. Yes. You'll get encouraged and inspired. And then you'll know that, you know what? I was in the presence of God. So my whole countenance has changed now. My, her, my whole perspective is different because I see myself the way God sees me. And I thank the Lord that this is a whole different time that we could start afresh and anew. We didn't have to stay in the desert, dying in the desert, thirsty and wanting more and needing more from God. You know what? (laughs) He gives us the water we need, right? Mm -hmm. If we're thirsty, he said, come unto me. All ye that are laden and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest if you're hurting and broken. Someone turned their back on you and hurt you. Guess what? God's got an answer for that too. Huh? So I thank the Lord that, you know, this is the time that we could come together and see the good in everybody, even the ones that hurt us. And we could always, you know, make this time to, to reboot and to get refreshed Mm -hmm. and revived and rebuilt. So before we leave, we never want to assume that everyone has received the gift of salvation without first inviting you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. There's one simple thing you need to do. Confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart by repeating these words after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life and forgive my sins. I surrender all and receive you now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Find us on social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Email us at msj.changingtimespodcast. That is msj.changingtimespodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, be safe and be blessed.